the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 279 premium for Thursday, August 12th, 2010. Greetings, folks, and welcome to your Mac Geek Cab. This is uh, this is the Mac Geek Cab. I'm Dave Hamilton, of course, uh, here in Durham, New Hampshire today. And joining me, as always, it wouldn't be John Efron here in, but we couldn't do it without. No, you. it wouldn't be. It was it'd be no. You'd be talking to yourself. I think so. John Efron, Fairfield, Connecticut, and uh, boy, we, we've both been busy little beavers lately, Dave. We have. That's right. You have done. Uh, this will be your fourth podcast this week. Is that right, John? <laughs> Yeah, they just all uh, piled up. So, of course, Monday we, we did our regular. Then um, yep. Tuesday was Mac Jury. Okay. Um, Wednesday was Mac Roundtable. Uh, Mac Jury, the topic was the, uh, as you may have seen, the uh, Microsoft has a recent uh, kind of lame ad campaign telling people why Windows 7 is better than the Mac. Okay. All right. So we had a lot of fun with that. And cool. then um, then Mac uh, Roundtable, which uh, we yeah. always like to see you sit in, Dave. Maybe I, you will one day. I, I, I aim to someday. It, uh, it, now that we have a consistent schedule there, I'm, I'm hoping that it comes around. So. And then today, um, and then also I voted twice, not once, but twice this week. So, of course, there was a primary earlier in the week and then uh, just got back from voting for a, uh, they, they won a bond $350,000 for a girls softball field in the town. And uh, So you I, voted I'm, no uh, and you just wrote them a check, right? Uh, I'm, uh, uh, you know, in these trying times, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, that's, haven't you? Well, I, uh, number one, I don't have any children that could even possibly take advantage of a girl's softball field. And right, I don't understand why they can't just use another one. I mean, there are plenty of ball about, fields in town. What about people that, that have four girls that want to buy your house next and turn it down because it's in a town without a girl's softball field? Well, they, they can vote yes. Well, but then maybe they don't live there yet. I, this is the wrong show for this, isn't it, though? <laughs> yes, it is. And then, Dave, you um, you actually uh, you, you've been uh, on the road or on, on the train. Right? Yeah, that's right. So obviously we did our show Monday and then Tuesday I took the train down to uh, Princeton, New Jersey. Well, I took it to Trenton, but close enough and spoke Tuesday night at the Princeton Mac user group meeting, uh, which is always a, a real blast. And I uh, I always look forward to going down there. There's so there's such great people and uh, and they take such good care of me. They're, they're, they're such gracious hosts. And they're so engaged. It's a really, really great mug. And uh, and so I went down there and I, I put together, it was kind of a, an experimental session because it was a little bit, uh, it was something I'd never delivered that way before. But I essentially pulled together a lot of cool stuff found that we've talked about in the show or that I've found elsewhere, things that I just love and uh, talked about them. And, you know, had lots of cool stuff in there. I, I can't even remember everything we talked about, but. By and large, the uh, the biggest impact was, can you guess, John? It's something we've talked about a couple times recently, and it's not necessarily a Mac-specific thing, but uh, but it's life-changing. Can you guess? I, I haven't guessed. Well, well, I believe you posted a photo, Dave. Is this what you're getting at? Uh, I'm not sure I posted a photo. I don't think I did. Oh, well, I did see you post a photo of um, uh, an accommodation that they made. Uh- oh, yeah, that's different. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, but no, the the the, okay. the thing that the audience responded most favorably to was mm. Lucy phone. Believe it or not. <gasps> ah. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that that definitely was the highlight of the night for for many people. No, what I what I uh, what I posted a picture of to my Twitter account was when I got there, and and I was in a couple of different lecture halls in this same building. Uh, just mm-hmm. as I was kind of walking around beforehand, I went and made a phone call, and I always sort of pace when I'm on the phone. And uh, and I noticed it in the one I was in and then I noticed it in several others where they had basically every adapter you could possibly need to hook your Mac or really any computer at, at that level up to a uh, VGA port for the video uh, uh, projector in the room. And they had them all wrapped together real nicely on a kind of a coily cord like you'd find a pen at the bank or whatever. So that you knew they would always be there, always right where you needed them. And uh, super, super handy. The only thing they didn't have on these was the new dock connector to VGA adapter, which you'd use with the iPad uh, if you were going to run a presentation from that. And I'll use that as a segue to rant very quickly and briefly about Keynote for the iPad. 
on the oh. train on the train down, I thought, oh, you know what? I've got the MiFi with me. Let me go ahead and buy Keynote for the iPad. I kept meaning to. I just didn't have any reason. Uh, but I was doing this this session in Keynote, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to do it from the iPad? So I downloaded it, and then I went through the hokey pokey of getting something to copy to the iPad going via iWork. And actually, I, I think I did it some other way, but it didn't matter. I got it into Keynote, and the first thing it tells me is uh, we've we've uh, we've stripped down your presentation. We've taken all the transitions out. And uh, all the QuickTime movies, because we don't support playing QuickTime movies uh, in in presentations on the iPad. And that's like half my presentation, because what I do is if I'm going to mm. demo something like, like, say, default folder, which I did talk about, uh, I'll go through and make use using SnapZ uh, Pro 10. I will go through and make a movie of it working exactly as I want. And that way, when I get to the presentation, I hit play on the movie it happens right inside Keynote. I can zoom in, zoom out and. Uh, and this way, I know it's going to work, right? Because it's a movie of it working, not it, you know, me actually demoing it. And then I don't have to click and press. I can just talk through what's happening. So it works out in a much more smooth fashion. Hmm. But uh, but of course, without that, you know, I couldn't. So I did it from my MacBook Pro like I was planning to. But real drag that I can't get Keynote on the iPad to work the right way because it, it would be so cool if I could. But anyway, it's uh, it's it, it's getting there. Mm -hmm. You're an you're an early adopter. You, you should uh, be. Used Absolutely. To, uh, I, yeah, I, I wasn't. Pain. I wasn't surprised. I was disappointed. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, it's funny because one of the points that they made in this Windows 7 campaign was uh, getting back to the projector thing is that most Windows machines have a VGA port and they plug right into a projector. And, and we blasted that as being like kind of a lame justification to get a, a pc or a windows 7 machine wow. anyways no but, but you know i gotta say when i was in the the corporate world uh, i couldn't believe the amount of time that people wasted trying to set up projectors and computers whether they be pcs or macs it's it, it, it's just it, it's a, it's always there's always some technical glitch whether it be the projector yep. doesn't sync up or it doesn't understand the resolution on the computer or the computer gets confused or you Anyways, know, one uh, one thing, and I did it the other night without even thinking about it. You know, I plugged into the projector, and of course, as 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 we've come to expect, nothing appeared on the screen. Right? Okay, perfect. Yep. So I open up the display system preferences, and the first thing I do is click on detect displays, and I would say maybe not nine times, but maybe seven times out of ten, that solves whatever problem is happening with the projector. And uh, boom, the yes. image appears and, you know, you're totally good to go and, and happy, uh, happy for it. So that's a good point. I, I, yeah, I think it twiddles whatever video lines and, and most things will say, oh, something's happening. I better pay attention to it. So, uh, right. Yeah. So, more of, I, I found more often than not that whatever device I hook up to will know. Like when I hook my uh, HD TV up to the yeah. Mac, it, uh, the, the Mac is like, oh, there's something there. Uh, right. Maybe that's just because of the, the DVI port, because I typically go to the DVI port. Sure. Yep. Anyway, so so you you, you brought the, just the iPad, Dave. Oh, and I brought my MacBook Pro. You did. <laughs> well, I had and, to. You know, yeah. Uh, I understand. Yeah, and, okay. and that's a, but I think that's a, a little lead in, Dave, if I, if I may provide a little lead yes. in into a recent, like just today, tale of woe that, that you... Uh, may want to tell us about and then we can I, talk through uh, what what happened to you just just today right yeah well it, it here's the interesting thing on tuesday on the train i had my MiFi going and i noticed my brother was on skype so i actually had a, a short video chat with my brother while i was on the train and i thought well, hey, that's cool you know i did it from my macbook pro and it worked fine and then th that night uh after my presentation i noticed my my eyesight uh, was not showing up in my Skype preferences anymore. And I figured, well, it needs a reboot, but I didn't really care because I didn't have anyone I wanted to chat with anyway. But uh, but I noticed it was sort of weird. Then uh, today, you know, so I took the train back yesterday. Today in the office, uh, I did want a video chat and it came up and the person's like, oh, I can't see you. And I thought, oh, that's right. Yeah, I got to reboot because sometimes that happens where, you know, you just need to reboot your Mac to get it to see whatever piece of hardware. So I rebooted and no good. Oh, no. So I shut down, then brought it back up. No, no good. I shut down. I did a PRAM reset. No good. I did an SMC reset, which on my <sighs> MacBook Pro is you shut it down, you unplug power, you pull out the battery because I can, uh, and then you hold the power button for five or more seconds, let go, <laughs> plug it all back in. No dice. Ooh. 
Now, I'm going to suggest, let's go through the troubleshooting here. So the first thing I would suggest, Dave, because you and I have the same MacBook Pro, um, would be to get System Profiler. Yes. And I'm sure you did this, but I just want to walk through how I would try to analyze this this issue. Absolutely. So, of course, the EyeSight camera on your computer and on my computer, of course, is a USB device. So the first thing I would do is start up System Profiler, look at hardware, and then look at USB. Yep. And at least on my machine, I'll see a number of USB buses. Actually, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. Um, two of them are marked as high speed, and under one of the high speed categories, it says built in eyesight. That's right. Um, so I'm going to gather that you you checked there, and, and, and I guess my question is because I'm I'm trying to guess what the problem would be. Yep. Um, do you recall if you saw all of the USB buses that I mentioned? So I I did. I, I'm relatively familiar with my system profiler and i did it was the first thing i checked even before i rebooted the first time uh and and uh and i'm fairly familiar with what i see out there and i did see all of my buses uh so okay okay you know okay fine so so usb is working so they rule rule that out right I, i i would say now after one of my reboots and i believe it was after i did the smc reset though I'm not so though I've seen this happen once or twice since then. And I did not do an SMC reset, but it, after one of my reboots, I launched system profiler first, as I've been doing every time since I started troubleshooting this. And again, looking in that spot and I saw the built in eyesight appear and I thought, Oh, great. That did it. And I launched iChat because I figured, let me do it with Apple software, not with Skype, just in case. I mean, I've never, I, you know, I did, never had a problem where Skype didn't see the camera and, and iSight did. But, you know, let, or iChat did. But let, let's stick, you know, stick with the straight and narrow here. And as soon as I launched it, it said, no, there's no camera connected. And I looked back in the system profiler and it was gone it, to the point Ooh. where I wasn't convinced that I'd seen it in the first place. But I've repeated that particular step a couple of times, not every time, but, at, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll see it. And then I launch anytime something tries to talk to it. Boom, it goes away. OK, now another tool I would suggest, and I don't know if you have this on your machine, but yep. I found this useful and I've actually used it in the past to diagnose USB problems. There is something called a USB prober. Oh, I should check that. I have not tried that yet. OK, and that is something I, I b- believe you have to install the uh, uh, Xcode. Okay. Okay. So this is something that takes it to the next level. I mean, it shows you the descriptors in great detail. It also shows you, and this is going to be another suggestion I'm going to offer you, Dave, is, is that it does show you all of the kernel extensions that have to do with USB. Yep. Now, another thing I'm going to propose, and you may want to try this, but I, I don't know how it would happen, but maybe one of your kernel extensions is damaged. Um, Be- believe I, it or I, not, that was actually my first thought. And, and the reason right. is because I recently started playing around with this app called Air Display, which uh, is something I think I'll wind up using quite a bit when I travel. Uh, the idea is you're someone who has a laptop and then when you're at your desk, you know, you plug it into a larger monitor and, and that's great. But uh, when you travel, you know, you, 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 you don't have that monitor with you. And so. You, you know, you're cramped on screen real estate. And actually, this this app could work for someone who who just uses a, their laptop at a desk. The idea is it uses your well, it'll, it could use your iPhone, but really it works better with an iPad because it's larger and extends your desktop. You run an app on the iPad. You run a kernel extension, which which affects the um, the display properties on your Mac. And it lets you do desktop mm. extension over to. The iPad, you can also do mirroring, but that starts getting really weird. Uh, and it, and you, you just connect them both to the same Wi-Fi network and uh, and they're they're happy and it works. So I actually had set that up prior to my trip, a because I was going to talk about it. It was one of the things I'd queued up to talk about on Tuesday night and I wanted to test it first. So anyway, I knew it had put this kernel extension out there and I thought, yeah, OK, that's my problem. But here's the thing. I every night my system does a clone of my boot drive. And mm-hmm. I hadn't installed this until Monday. Okay. Uh, I had a backup from Sunday. Now, I know my camera worked Monday. I know my camera worked Tuesday. But because I was, I packed up my computer before we did our podcast on Monday. And so it did not back up to the drive that's sitting here. So this drive was, was fresh as of Sunday, which in this case turned out to be a really good thing. I had 
you know, a known working copy I could go back to same exact symptoms, you know, uh, eyesight sometimes shows up, sometimes doesn't, but it never actually works when you try to access it. So, all right, well, that would lead me away from a software issue. Well, yes, I would. I, at that point I was 99% certain it wasn't a software issue, but I figured let's go to the hundred percent mark. So I booted from uh, I've actually tried it from two DVDs. I tried it from the DVD that came with my Mac. I also tried it from the Snow Leopard DVD. Uh, those have, when you get to the installer, you can go to the utilities menu and go to system profiler. So you're running system profiler off an OS that was burned to a DVD and presumably hasn't been changed since then. So, yep, same thing. No, no built in eyesight shows up. Not good. So then, do you, do you have anything to add here, John, before I talk about my, my final step here? Um, I'm going to add it after, because I think I know your final step, okay. and I have something, I have something to add uh, to complement that, and actually, go ahead. Okay, so uh, while I had my DVD out uh, of the, the DVD that came with my Mac, I knew that there was hardware diagnostics on there. Now... I don't hold a whole lot of faith in hardware diagnostics, but I figured, well, <laughs> it's here. Let me try it out. So to invoke this, I rebooted and held down the D key with that DVD in, and that goes into diagnostics mode. Now, for those of you that are new to the Mac since uh, since, since Mac OS 10 was released, uh, this hardware diagnostics is going to look really foreign to you because it's got a total OS like it's not even an OS nine interface. It's like an OS seven interface, the way the buttons are and everything, but like, it, it works. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, I launched it and I, there's two modes. You can run the test or you can run the extended test. Uh, I know that the extended test does mostly just more Ram testing. I'm not sure if it does anything else, but I didn't want to wait an hour for it to test. I was, I was into the three minute thing. And then if it looked okay, maybe I'd run it while we were say recording the show now. Uh, Cause this all happened earlier today. So I uh, ran the test and in three minutes it came up and it said alert Apple hardware test has detected an error for Victor Delta Charlie slash one slash four with six zeros three colon video controller. And I shut my machine down. I rebooted again from the same disc and ran the test again and got came up with exactly the same error. Not good. Video controller? So here's what's funny, right? The, the built-in eyesight, though it's, it involves video, is not really part of the video controller chipset on the machine. It's part of either, hardware-wise, it's part of the display assembly. And then uh, interface-wise, as you pointed out earlier, John, it's part of USB. So this tells me I have a slew of problems going on. And obviously, I mean, your, your, your built-in screen is working, right? It, it works as does the machine, as does a, an external monitor. I have a 23-inch screen that I connect it to, and that works fine. Hmm. But, you know, it, it, ah, good, it, good. I thinking, I'm thinking back, when was the last time it worked? Well, it was on the train. And what did I do after I got off the train? I went and I took my MacBook, and because I couldn't plug my iPad into the projector, I plugged my MacBook Pro into the projector. Now... Many other people have plugged computers into this particular projector. I don't think there's necessarily a, a, a gremlin in the projector, but there could have been a spark. There could, I mean, any, I, you know, it might be totally unrelated, but it's also possible that I, you know, shuffled my feet on the carpet the wrong way and, and grabbed the wrong thing at the wrong time and yada, yada, yada. You know how it goes. I could have shortened huh. it out by doing that. I don't know because I didn't run a hardware test before and after. It, you know, I don't know if I've ever run a hardware test on this machine, so I couldn't tell you if uh, if this video circuit, because other than the eyesight, there are no symptoms of uh, of this of a video problem. Right. OK. And did you cover this? I'm sorry. I, I was Go distracted ahead. for a bit. Did, uh, did you. Uh, so it's a, uh, so Apple hardware test allegedly identifies something in the video hardware as an issue. Did you try another camera? Yes, that's a good question. Actually, I happened to have uh, either FireWire or USB or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we have FireWire. Right? I have a fire uh, do you have an old eyesight? I do. 
Uh, and in fact, when we do video shows and Pilot Pete is here, I use my old Firewire eyesight so that I can have two cameras connected to the iMac here in the studio, one built in and one over Firewire. So, yes, I had it and it was readily accessible. So I grabbed it. I plugged it in, worked totally fine, had a video chat with my brother. Everything was happy and hunky dory. So I think it's I think it's lying. I think Apple Hartford test is trying to to uh, it's it's lying to you. Maybe. But anyways, I, I'm, I'm sure Apple Care, uh, Apple and Apple Care will take care of you. Now, the only thing I want to mention is, um, so uh, you, you may have heard of this, Dave, uh, but uh, I haven't seen this for a while. Um, and it was just the other day that uh, Justin, one of our uh, listeners, I'm not sure if he's a premium, if he is, uh, yeah. thank you, Justin. Um, he, he messaged me on Twitter the other day and said, do you know the ASD version for a particular machine? I'm like, what's ASD? Right. Do you know what ASD is, Dave? Uh, Apple service diagnostic. Excellent. Because I, I, I think I had in the past at one point managed to, uh, um, uh, find, uh, so anyways, Apple service diagnostic, as far as I know, this is a tool that the cool Apple kids use. It's not something that's generally available to regular people like me and you, Dave, right? This is what they use at the service center. And, and I think it's, it's like Apple hardware test, like Apple hardware test plus, Right. And that I think it would probably go into a level of detail. Now, if you could find it, maybe that would, you know, uh, open open up a, another layer here. The other thing I'm thinking, Dave, is that from what I do recall, um, well, yeah, you're under Apple Care, so you should have Tech Tool Deluxe. And I do remember the Tech Tool Deluxe oh, does have yeah. a specific test that beats up on the VRAM. And I'm wondering if it's the VRAM. Uh, who knows? It, it, it can hurt to run tech tool deluxe and well, see if it can, it can give you more detail. Cause it is the error sounds weird in that. I, 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 again, I don't know if I entirely believe that it's the video circuitry. I agree with you actually. So, I mean, it, it, what, what this is telling me is that there is at the very least a problem with my motherboard. Uh, and, and one mm-hmm. thing that I have not thrown in uh, to the mix yet that I will is I have, uh, I've got two USB ports on that machine, one on the left, one on the right. I happen to plug my, I have a hub that, that it's kind of a, a USB spider setup, right? There's hubs and powered hubs and, and various devices, but they all come into one cable so that when I plug my computer and I can just plug in one cable and I'm good to go. And it never had a problem with it. And I didn't this time either. Uh, and I, you know, I, I had all the stuff connected and I went to USB in the system profiler and it showed me all the stuff which was great. And then I thought, well, let me unplug this and see if maybe I'm drawing too much current with all my stuff. And that's, what's causing the eyesight to fall off the, off the bus. Now it's never happened before and I haven't added anything, but you know, Hey, we'll check that. So I unplugged it and I refreshed and I saw all my stuff, which I should not have seen. It was enumerating the USB bus once and never doing it again. And then I moved it to the, I moved the cable around to the other side and it saw all my stuff twice. And then I unplugged and it only saw it once, but then I rebooted and I have not been able to make that recur, but still it tells me there's something wrong with the USB bus, at least one of the USB buses Ah. on my computer. Okay. So, um, you know, okay, we'll try the USB prober. I, uh, you may see something. I think that may be the best tool. And I did find it's in uh, Xcode. Uh, whatever yep. uh, version it is, um, or, or I'm going to say at least I found it on my machine in Xcode redacted version um, slash application slash utilities. And there's something called USB Prober that will give you uh, tons of USB specific. I think it actually lets you monitor USB traffic. So uh, oh, cool. maybe we'll see if it's, uh, you know, anyways, I'll check it great. out. Yeah. So, so, so I think this was a value, even though it's it's about all about you, Dave. It was um, all about I think this me. was a value because I, I think we I think we we did. Uh, I, uh, hopefully, we identified some uh, good tools or just a good process that you could use to track this down. I'm very sad that it because uh, I just tried mine because I was afraid that my machine was dying. I just uh, ran quickly photo booth. So, so and, here's and my, the green light came on on my camera, so I believe that it's working. That's of course, I saw my uh, smiling face on the screen. So well, there you go. So I, I have uh, one one last thing that I'll I'll talk about with this. Uh, you know, I have the run core drive in that machine. Now, it's been in there for a while and the machine has actually been serviced uh, under Apple Care since then uh, at the local Mac repair shop. Here's the thing I know from talking to various technicians that own independent Mac repair shops that 
Apple frowns on them when they submit a repair for a machine that involves multiple parts. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure why this is. My guess is they, you know, if you have lots of repairs with multiple parts, chances are what you're doing is you're stockpiling the extra parts, right? You're saying, well, Timmy needs a new motherboard, so we might as well order him a new keyboard too, right? And then, you know, you stuff the keyboard that you got for Timmy away. And I, I don't know, maybe Apple thinks their, their repair departments are going to, you know, do things like this uh, or their third party repair departments. So they, they very much frown on this to the point where third Party, you know, independent Apple repair shops will not order typically will not order multiple parts, even if they think there's a good chance they'll need them. And in this case, you know, we know there's something wacky with the motherboard. There might also be something wacky with the display assembly. But I know they're only going to order one or the other when I bring it in, unless I, you know, play real nice, nice with them and try and talk them into it. So because I don't want it to take forever. But when you send it into Apple, you know, via mail, they'll replace tons of parts. In fact, I've had them replace, you know, DVD drives and all kinds of things that were unrelated to my problem because they tested the machine and decided that one or more other components needed to be swapped out. So I'm tempted instead of bringing it to my local guy, maybe given all these wacky things, maybe I should send it in. But I'm a little concerned about that run core drive. You know, I. My local guy knows that uh, I put the run core drive in and there's no problem with that. Uh, I'm a little concerned. I, and I know we say that Apple doesn't really care, but, uh, you know, that's one thing to say. And then another thing to send my my precious drive off and uh, hope that it comes back. So I don't know the magic answer there. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to do a little soul searching before I before I see if I'm going to stand on on that, which I've said in the past. All right, so I just wanted to be honest about that. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're searching your soul. I, well, I think everybody should do that every now and then. While I'm being honest, a quick correction. In the last show, I talked about Powerline. I mentioned Powerline 500. That's not out yet. That's not what I have. Uh, I'm using Powerline AV 200, not 500. So I just wanted to set the record straight on that one. Okay. And you know how I found out? So actually, we had a listener write saying, well, I went to the, uh, is it Netgear? Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry. That's right. The Netgear Powerline AV200. Thank you, John. Right. And he said, um, well, I went to the website and, you know, of course, in the, the uh, extensive show notes that I always put together, Dave, it's- I linked to what you gave me in, and what you talked about, um, you know, trusting you to. <laughs> Anyways, um, he, he was trying to find the part number and couldn't find it. Right. And I looked as well. And I'm just going to toss out a little tool that, that I like to use. So, of course, Google is the greatest I think for just finding anything. But anyways, what he did is he, you know, I, they gave a specific model number. Yep. I found that frugal.com is a wonderful tool for shopping for things in general. That's Google's um, shopping engine, if you will. But basically I punched in the part number and it didn't come up. And to me, if a part number does not come up in frugal, then it doesn't exist. And as, uh, as we found it doesn't yet exist, I'll buy that. at least not the 500, which right. I guess is the, the, the pro version, or I guess, I guess they say the power user version, I guess the AV200 is the... Well, and and um, that's, that's why I was confused, because when the AV200 came out, it was billed as the pro version, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and so on and so forth, because, because it, you know, they just keep getting faster and faster with this power line stuff. The, the one I have maxes out, as I said, at 200 megabits per second, uh, the 500 in theory maxes out at 500 megabits per second. So it's just constantly getting faster and faster. And, and as it does, the, what once was the pro version now becomes the, you know, the, the right. high end consumer version or whatever, you know, and it just keeps rolling around and around. All right. I'm sorry. So they break it down. So the version that you have is called the work and play. Yeah, see, it wasn't when when it first came out, right? And, and the 500 is called the high performance, anyways. Exactly. Um, exactly. Okay, good one. Uh, what's next here? Did Do you want to? I, I know we we just spent a lot of time talking about my uh, my thing, my macbook pro <laughs> do you want to talk about your cable modem thing or, or should we wait for for monday to do that um let's skip that i'm still okay. in the data gathering phase all i'm going to Fine. say is that i've been having weird readings from the doxis page which is 192 100.1 i believe uh i've been getting blackouts and and one of the values is out of spec but i got to collect enough data because a guy did come out he wow. replaced everything from the pole down to the house um, I did some diagnostics based on your suggestion, Dave. And uh, yeah, let's talk about it later. Because, okay. uh, it, again, I, I haven't come to a conclusion yet. 
All right. Uh, a couple of things then that yeah. I want to touch on here. Uh, one is that one of my favorite diagnostic uh, or really, you know, um, critical use utilities is called Applejack. And what it does is you install it and it essentially adds some scripts to be used at the command line in single user mode. Okay. Uh, so if you get a problem, you can't boot into your Mac, you hold down command S you're now brought to the command line in single user mode. But other than it telling you how to do a, a kind of a routine file system check, you have no other instructions there. You have to know what you're doing in order to make that really valuable. Well, Applejack is something you install ahead of time before disaster strikes. And it adds kind of a menued uh, option there right at the command line. So you can do various other things, permissions. You can pull out the old uh, swap files in case there's a problem there. Lots of good stuff. And you can even tell it, go ahead and do everything, clean me up and then get me on my way. Up until about a month ago, this was not compatible with Snow Leopard. And now it is. So I just wanted to make a quick mention of this that now, yes, it uh, is available for Snow Leopard. And I will uh, repeat my recommendation Definitely go and install this. It's way, way. It's one of those things that you will you will thank yourself for doing so uh, when when the moment hits. So I'll I'll try it. It's good stuff. I, I I've I've not yet used it, but it's a good. All right. So so the the old version just wouldn't work. No, because, you know, at the command line is where a lot of things change. So somebody just, right. you know, they just needed to go through and kind of repoint things and, you know, do, do this, do that. So, yeah. Good stuff. Okay, cool. One thing I want to mention, David. Yeah. Meteor, meteor showers tonight and tomorrow night. That's correct. That's right. At least in the Northeast. I, uh, I'm i not sure where. Uh, uh, yes. And, and I think it's for, for, and unfortunately here it's cloudy all, all day and night. But uh, but I think tomorrow we get a, we may get a view. And cool. basically just, yeah, hang out outside and just uh, look up. And uh, yeah, you should, should see it. Uh, I don't think you need any special equipment. No, so, no, um, we, we've seen them here and we've even got a lot of tree cover and stuff, but the best man was in Texas. We had, you know, it's flat there, or at least where we were, it was relatively flat, big, big sky country. And, uh, and we had our big field, so we didn't have a whole lot of trees around. We'd st- we'd actually lay in the back of our, our flatbed pickup truck and watch the, uh, watch the Perseids each year. It was pretty sweet. Cool. Yeah. Okay, should we get to our questions? And yeah, tips yeah. Let's get to our let's get to our questions. That's a good idea. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Philip. Hi, John, Dave, and Pilot Pete. Um, great podcast. I thoroughly enjoy listening to you all. Um, I have a question for you. I'm about to purchase an iMac 27 inch, and um, I have a MacBook Pro, which is from about three years old now. Now, my situation is I have the iMac in a property that doesn't have any internet connection. So can I use my MacBook Pro to copy any um, updates from Apple and any other downloads that I want to put on my iMac um, and then take them back to the iMac and run them on that program? I'm thinking of using... um, ChronoSync uh, for basically syncing my files between the two items and SuperSync to um, keep my iTunes um, music between the two MacBook and the iMac together. Um, any help that you can give me with this uh, would be very much appreciated. So basically the iMac has no internet connection and the MacBook Pro has internet connection and I want to keep my iMac up to date um, via the MacBook Pro. This is where you can cut me off. Awesome. All right. Uh, so I think that, John, the short answer on this is is yes, you can certainly do this, right? Yes. And here's where you go, Dave, okay. and, and we can toss this around a bit. But the place that you want to go, so of course there's two ways to update your software on the Mac and make sure it's up to date. One, of course, is software update, but in this case, because it's not connected, that's not going to work. The other thing you can do, or at least in this case, I, I would not use that mechanism because that's not portable. I mean, if, if, if he updates his MacBook Pro, he's not going to get something that he can bring over to the iMac, at least not easily, and I wouldn't even suggest trying to take that route. Agreed. 
Um, you may be able to dig into the rear sheets or even the net, we're not even going to talk about it because it's a terrible idea. Here's the other thing you do. You go to support.apple.com slash downloads. And guess what? That's where all the stuff. Uh, now, sometimes, you know, I've seen a little tension between things showing up there versus when they show up in software update. Sometimes I've seen them show up. I think usually they show up in software update first, but uh, they will eventually show up in soft in support.apple.com slash downloads. Right. So the, the only caution, uh, though, I don't think it's a big deal is that there may be updates that are specific to the iMac that will not work on the Mac Pro Pro and the, and the other way around. But, but I think for the most part, if you try to download an update that doesn't apply to a certain machine, Apple's pretty good about doing a check and saying, what are you doing? So, you know, if you try to apply a firmware update or a hardware update to a machine that can't accept it, it's going to say, no way, man. Right. So, uh, so in short, I think that's, that's the answer is absolutely you can do this. The, the only thing is, um, I don't know, I was just scratching my head over this, Dave. How would you even know, um, other than going to a you know, cool site like MacObserver.com, right. how would you know that a new update is coming out? And I, I wonder if you can monitor... Uh, how would you I, i'm i'm just we didn't script this I, i'm just no. wondering uh, could you monitor support that apple.com slash downloads and see if anything new shows up yeah that's a that's an interesting question because that that would be my only concern here is that you are having to download and pick which updates you're going to get but without having that computer one of the best parts about software update from my standpoint is not that it takes care of updating my software, but that it tells me what updates I need. Right. So like you said, if there's an update for the Mac pro that comes out, well, that doesn't show up on my computer, nor would I want it to, you know, I, I don't need it. Uh, so yeah, I think if you go to support.apple.com slash downloads, you can drill down by product. You can go to desktops and then iMac, uh, and you can start to see recent and you can sort it alphabetically or, or in date order. And you can start to see now, you know, there's there's firmware updates, but it's, you know, it doesn't you can't get any more detailed than that. You can't say, I want to find the updates for my at least I don't think, please, if you if you know, tell us so that we can pass this along to Philip and the rest of the listeners. But I don't think you can tell it. You know, I have uh, an, you know, uh, early 2010 iMac with, a you know, 2.8 gigahertz processor and find me all my updates. I don't think there's a way to do that. Uh, I certainly can't seem to find a way, but that's yeah, what was... software update was. And it's too, it's too bad that you can't do that because could you? you, you know, there is, you could get geeky on this. There is the file, the software update goes and grabs a file and compares, uh, not only what it has already downloaded, but also the ID of your machine to everything in that file. And so it would be possible, but but convoluted to go and say, OK, these are the updates I need for my machine. Uh, but I don't think there's a an, another way to do that. Yeah. You know, I was looking and I don't see but I was thinking maybe there's an RSS feed, but I don't see RSS show up when I look at this particular web page. And it's funny, this is actually very timely, Dave. I'm looking right now and I saw just today, uh, is today the 12th? I think it is. Yes. Yeah. There just happened to be, I'm looking on the list here, iMac mid 2010 display brightness update. So an update just came out today for the iMac. Right. Now um, here, here's what you could do. Well, you know, I just searched for iMac mid 2010 in, in Apple's downloads and it certainly found a lot of them, but it also found an update for the 13 inch MacBook pro mid 2010. So, you know, you'd have to get kind of funny with, with searching. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's a magic answer here. I think the best you can do is check this page every, uh, again, either just, you know, hook into the Cole Mac sites or, and or, you know, or both. And, and both, maybe yeah. check this page every week or however often you'd like to check it yep. and see if anything shows up. Because, uh, well, a lot of these are, are not, you know, entire. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, some are critical. I mean, you know, especially the security ones are critical. You know, something like this here, display brightness update, unless you're having a problem, right. is probably not a, a Well, you know, his security updates are not critical for Philip. Not even close. That well, computer's not connected to the Internet. I wouldn't, you, you know. You actually brought up an excellent point, Dave. <laughs> well, I've yeah. seen this in the past. People have said that the most secure computer is one that's not hooked to a network. 
Yeah. Because uh, right. on, uh, short of physical access where somebody can steal your data, right. you really don't have too much to worry about. No. So, um, yeah. So for him, you know, his priority uh, with updates might be a whole lot different from the rest of us or even him, himself on his other computer that's always connected. So. Okay. All right. We have an interesting story from Honor that uh, we wanted to share with regards to permissions. Honor says, I just fixed my broken Mac mini with Snow Leopard server installed on it. When I rebooted the mini, ouch, gray screen, Apple logo, spinning indicator. No good. I booted in verbose mode and saw something like MDNS responder, no such file directory for slash USR slash slash SBIN slash launch D. So I looked in this list system library, launch demons, com.apple.msd DNS responder P list file. And you get good geek points for that honor. All the defined paths seem to be in order. When I invoked USR slash SBIN slash MDNS responder dash launch D in single user mode, no problem, just fine. So I searched on our friendly, not evilish, search engine and found a forum talk topic that uh, over at Mac Rumors that basically boiled it down to incorrect permissions on slash, which is the root. Uh, it should have been uh, 775, but was 770. I have no zero. Idea. I have no Ooh. idea what changed the permissions, but I changed them back and it worked fine. After the whole thing, I also ran Applejack in auto mode. So great. I'm glad you were using that honor. Yeah. So seven, seven, zero means that uh, the world can read the uh, the world can read and write. Groups can read and write, but the user can do the root user can do nothing. Well, no, no, I think right? it's the way around. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going the other I'm, way around, right? Right. I believe it's owner. So, so yeah. Yes, so, you're so, right, so uh, right. I, I went backwards. You're right. So, to map it up, it's here, but but that's okay. So, so when you see permissions, uh, it, it's laid out in bits. So, right. There are three bits, and it could be zero through four, five, six, seven. Could be the value for each, but yes. So, anyways, yeah, because I, I put this in my notes today because I get confused sometimes too. So, it's yep. owner, group, and uh, others or everyone. Right. So, in this case, everyone was set to zero, which basically means, well, it depends on you know who wants to access it, but anything being set to zero, I think, is potentially a disaster, as we saw. Right. <laughs> Yep. So, yeah. So other, yeah, other was set to zero, which meant it, it could do nothing. But in single user mode, when permission, when you were booted in as the root user and permissions, you know, sort of get ignored, uh, it didn't matter. So that's very interesting. Uh, I have no idea how it got changed that way, but it, it's always nice to be reminded that a simple permissions repair can solve uh, even even what may seem to be the worst problem. And, you know, I have not done a permissions repair on my MacBook Pro. I can't imagine that would solve it, especially since booting from other drives does not solve this problem. But, uh, but you know, it never hurts. Next. Are we ready, John? What's next? Greg? Uh, Greg? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Greg writes, Do you know what show it was where you talked about sending from Gmail in the Mail app? Meaning... The Verizon outgoing SMTB port is blocked when on certain networks. So I want to use my Verizon account, but I want to send via Gmail's outgoing server, but still make it appear to be coming from my Verizon address so that when people reply, it goes back to that email address. If I send using my Verizon account, but configure it to use Gmail outgoing, uh, it appears to my recipients that the message came from my Gmail account. How do I change it? And what show was that? I believe it was recent in show 264, but. Well, the quick answer is no. Oh. Let's move on. What? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Come on, we, we got to get moving here. No, we got a lot right. of stuff here that I want to get to, Dave. But, but yeah. anyways, no, you, you actually, and you had actually taught me about this uh, in the past here. And uh, I'll, I'll let you go on. Sorry. Okay. Uh, sorry for being silly. But no, uh, no, no. There fine. is a way to do this. And I, I think it's actually. A, a security mechanism that the Gmail institutes that I think is a good thing. I, I agree. Gmail, because they offer free accounts and are world essentially world sendable by anyone. Uh, they have to make sure that when you send an email via their servers, uh, that you are sending it from an address that Gmail knows you control. Okay. Because otherwise you could, you know, just 
get a Gmail account, send out a bunch of spam. It gets closed down. No problem. You move on to the next one. No big deal. There's no repercussions. There's no way for anyone to find you. So what they've done is by default, if you send mail through Gmail, regardless of what you tell your mail client. Now, I'm not talking about Gmail in the web interface. What I'm talking about is, is what Greg means, where you set up Gmail as your outbound SMTP server uh, in mail app on your Mac. And the reason for doing this is exactly what Greg describes. You want to be able to send mail no matter where you are. And as I said, Gmail lets you do that. But it. No matter what you set in your mail app. So if I have, you know, my uh, Dave at gmail.com account, but I send and I, that's not my Gmail account. But uh, it, it, of course, Dave Hamilton at gmail.com is my account. But uh, but some other guy out there thinks it's his. And he recently signed up for uh, not only uh, job postings to be emailed to him, but also uh, he signed up for a dating service. So that's good. Dave, I get the same thing. I have gotten <laughs> I, I can't believe it. I have gotten class assignments because apparently there's a, yeah. a uh, instructor named john braun out there yep i've gotten wills i've gotten real estate documents nice um oh yeah religious news it, it, it's it's amazing that the uh, well again I, I i was i've even gotten email saying uh dude are you using your gmail your right. you know and i'm gonna say it's john braun at gmail.com not right. a big surprise right and uh yeah, I mean, so I, I was the first, uh, as as you were, Dave, I'm sure, yeah. um, we're, we're one of the first people to get on the Gmail bandwagon. And uh, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff that I get, in addition to, and I've looked at this and then we'll move on, I've looked at my spam folder, Dave. I, I let it roll because I think um, Gmail, as you told me, I shouldn't really touch the spam, but I let it roll to the 30-day expiration. I get about 4,000 spams in my spam folder. It's nothing. Okay. All right. You're you're a lot more popular than I am, but I look, and as <laughs> as, as some way. of you may know, or if you don't, uh, j- they will expire. Spam it, it, that they put in the spam folder that's older than thirty days. Right. So I thought four thousand or five thousand was huge. So what what do you get? What ten twenty or, orders of magnitude larger in a thirty day period? And, and it's just insane because again, it's and I got to say I'm, I'm amazed when stuff gets through. Right. And it does very reliably. I look through I, I'm the gonna, spam. I'm going to grab the reins Go here on. and get back to Greg's question uh, because it, there's actually another discussion to have about the spam thing again. Uh, but anyway, so Greg, when you if I send an email from my mail client and I tell mail send it from and and appear to be from Dave at MacObserver.com and I send it through Gmail, if I haven't changed anything else on Gmail uh, and I send it through my Dave Hamilton at Gmail.com account. It will appear to whomever I send it that it came from Dave Hamilton at gmail.com. And this is because Gmail needs to make sure the people that get your email know it was you. Understood. So how do you change this? Well, you go into Gmail. Now you're on the web. You go into Gmail, click on settings, click on accounts. And then there's a little uh, link that says add another email address you own. You put in the email address and click verify. What happens is Gmail sends you an email to that address. So in my case, it would send to my davidmacobserver.com account and it would have two pieces of information. In it. One is a link and the other is a series of random digits. Uh, I, you can you can confirm it one way or another. You either click the link or you take the digits and you know copy and paste them into your Gmail account. Once you've confirmed that you've gotten this email and you have access to that email account, well, at that point, you now have a second email in your accounts list uh, in Gmail, and you can add tons of these. You can pick which one you want to be default, and that changes it in the web interface. But once you have something listed here, then uh, you click on uh, there, there's an option right below that that says when receiving a message, change it to reply from the same address the message was sent to. This kind of opens the floodgates to allow you to send from any of the addresses that you have verified and confirmed uh, in the Gmail interface. Then I could go back to my mail client and do the same thing I did before. Send a message from Dave at MacObserver.com through my Gmail account. And when the person on the other end gets it, it comes from Dave at MacObserver.com, which is exactly what I would have wanted. So that's how you do it. Uh, it was a kind of a winding yet hopefully informative discussion. But that's the uh, that's the magic answer there, Greg. 
and and anyone else that's doing it. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, another Greg wrote in, John, in response to your cool stuff found on the last show. You mentioned uh, HDR photographs and you can use HD artist. And oh, Pilot Pete told me, John, uh, Pilot Pete will be here Monday, by the way. Uh, but Pil- Pilot Pete told me uh, that uh, that he was the one that told you about HD artist and that uh, that you neglected to give him credit. So I'm supposed to give you guff about that. So consider um, yourself guffed. Well, no, he didn't. Ah. <laughs> No, with someone else on okay. on uh, another podcast. But anyways, no, it's it's traveled in the. Uh, oh, you know, he may, he may have been. But anyways, HDR um, high dynamic range. Yep. Just to remind folks, it is a way to get. It makes your photos sometimes look a lot better. But anyways, Greg clues us in on something that. Uh, well, yeah, it's called HDR uh, HDR or Pro HDR, and it's an app for the iPhone that lets you do the same thing with either the iPhone four. Or the iPhone 3GS. Full res pictures, and it'll take three different versions and, and mash them together. And and you and you, apparently you can do some tweaks in it. I haven't tested it out. I just found out about it earlier today, but I did want to share that. To, uh, it's kind of yeah, you got it because uh, you know your your wife there has the uh, the you know the big boy or big girl cameras, yeah, Dave. I mean, right. I, I I'm convinced. Uh, I'm, I'm I have like a pro not, not even prosumer, but you have an awesome camera. At your disposal. You got to try this stuff. I, I will I think you get some great results. Anyways. I promise. I promise. I will. Splendid. Uh, uh, how are we doing on time here? Uh, oh. Fifty-one minutes. All right. Well, let's let's answer. Pick a question. It doesn't matter which one it is. I'm happy to do uh, the one that's in next extras? in order, or we can pick one from the extras and let's do that. So it's up to you, Mr. Braun. Um, extras. You know, I'm gonna go for. Uh, I like Vito, but I'm going to go for Kevin because I okay. think it, I think people will like the answer. Okay. Kevin writes. Uh, let me make sure I have the right one from Kevin. I do. A recent question was posted to our double click mug discussion group. Someone wrote, I have a higher need for security since I have been processing credit cards on my computer and would like to know if there was any software out there that gives me anonymity. I gave the group feedback on general security measures, i.e. physical security, good passwords, ways to tighten up the OS and Safari browser, but did not answer his question. His response further clarified his concern. He says, now about my original question, I've been told that my IP address is easy to get. And once it is obtained, all of my Internet visits can be tracked. I don't like that. And that's the next problem I want to solve. He's firewalled from his ISP through an Apple Airport Extreme router, but he wants more anonymity than that can provide. By the way, his bank security firm gave him a passing grade on his router for being PCI, payment card industry compliant. Okay. Uh, so I, I, um, I'll start with this, John, and then, and then pass it to you. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's right. His internet visits can be tracked by the people he's visiting. Right. But any one of them can't see everywhere he's been. For example, if uh, this user comes, any user comes and visits MacObserver.com, we get their IP address uh, and we know that someone from that IP address came to the site. And perhaps we also could know that that same person, by tracking the IP address, came back later. Uh, But we don't necessarily know who that is. We can just identify it by IP We could also drop a cookie and we do for for some of our internal tracking, but it's all sort of aggregated. Uh, So we don't know that, you know, who it is. But I certainly from a Mac Observer standpoint, don't know any other sites they visit. So if he goes and visits, you know, Apple dot com, well, we don't we don't have that information. We, We you know, we Apple doesn't send us their logs and I wouldn't even care to see them. Right. It's it's sort of irrelevant. But, you know, let's take it one step we also have Backbeat Media here, which is an advertising uh, group that manages the ads for a lot of different Mac sites. So uh, we can know if you visit Mac Observer and then you also visit, say, Mac Forums and then Low End Mac and then Mac Surfer. Uh, we could know that the same IP address visited. And in some ways, we want to know because we don't want to have to show we don't want to show you the same ad on every site unless the advertiser wants that. So we can do some controls like that. But again, we don't necessarily know who you are, and we also can't track you on other sites. But taking it a step larger, you know, something like DoubleClick, which is the ad network that Google now owns, 
they're on a lot of different sites, you know, thousands and thousands of sites. So they can start to track you around the web. But here's the thing, your credit card company, the site that you go to, to uh, process these credit cards doesn't have tracking cookies or tracking bugs from certainly not from us, nor from double click nor anything else, because double click doesn't need to know that you were at this uh, site that just processes credit cards. And we do the same thing here. We use a service called authorized net, which lets us process credit cards on the web. Uh, and in fact, you've all used it because via, via Foxy cart, that's how you're getting your uh, that's how you're paying for Mac geek Cap premium. So I, I'm not really, I, I don't, I don't get the concern. I'm not, I'm not sure I understand the concern, but to, but specifically with the question, I don't know of any way of hiding your IP address uh, from sites, but I think, John, you do. Absolutely. Now, there is a system. So, you know, at first I looked at this, and I'm like, well, no, how do we hide this? But, but I actually use this. I'm going to give you an example of when I use this. Okay. There is a system called Tor. What is Tor, you may ask? What is Tor? <laughs> And when I read it here, well, actually, and, and there's a package that, that encapsulates Tor called Vidalia. Uh, Vidalia, is that right? But Vidalia? It's a type like, of onion. Like an onion? Exactly. And that's the whole thing around Tor is that it's like an onion and that you have to go through multiple layers to figure out what the heck is going on. So the thing is, I use this system. Um, so they offer, and we're going to link to it, of course. Uh, they do have a runtime. Now, the, the most convenient implementation of this that I've seen is through Firefox. They actually have a plug-in. Now, I remember when I got really, really... So, so what does Tor do? What Tor does is it is a network of people that offer servers uh, that will basically anonymize your IP address. So if you have this plug-in and you're tied into the Tor network and you get into the Tor network, the IP that is presented to the site you're going to is not your IP. It's the IP of whoever is offering the Tor server. So in the past, and actually I think this is very clever. Now, you know, some people may ask, why would you need this? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll I can that. imagine, uh, well, I can imagine all sorts of things. Say you're a whistleblower, say you're sure uh, undercover. I mean, it, 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 technology is neither good nor evil. Right, right, right. right so right, there are reasons where you may not want. Now, one, you could say, well, gee, I don't want an advertising network to know where I'm coming from to target ads to me. And, you know, that that's kind of silly, I think. But if you're, uh, you know, doing, you know, heavy duty, uh, you know, spy stuff and you sure. don't want <clears throat> the enemy, whoever they may be, to know where you are. Because, you know, an IP, uh, for the most part, can fairly accurately, you know, as you said, Dave, uh, oh, you know, yeah. you, you can target ads, which I think, uh, personally, I think is a good thing. I can you target can target ads. Code. Yeah. Right. And I've, I've, I've seen that. And um, we won't go into detail about that. That's right. <laughs> um, but anyways, so what happens is, and actually, so the example I'll give is that there, there was, when the iPad was coming out, the BBC had some news reports about the iPad. And I was like, oh, well, that's really cool, man. I went checked out. So I went on Safari, went to YouTube, looked up the video that someone had given me a link to, and the thing came up and said, sorry, dude, you're in the US. We're the BBC. We're, we're dissing you. We're not going to show you the video. I'm like, uh... oh, no, you don't. So basically, <laughs> did, you, did you wag your finger and kind of move your head from side to side when you said that? No, I just fired up Firefox with the Tor plugin. Now, the thing is, as far as I know, Tor does not let you control where you're coming, uh, where you appear to be coming from. Sure. But when I started up Tor through Firefox, it made it appear the the first time I ran it that I was coming from Germany. Now, of course, Germany is in Europe, and apparently the licensing or whatever agreement that BBC has said, oh, Hi, John. You're coming from Germany. Great. We're going to show you this iPad video that's on the BBC because we know you're in Europe and not in the United States. Interesting. So, cool. So the thing is Tor. No, no, I don't think it works for everything. Well, it's a plug-in for Firefox. I And they also have a standalone program, as I mentioned, called Vidalia. Um, I, I don't know the, the gory details, but I do know that it is available for Windows, Mac OS X, uh, you can get the source code, and and of course we'll link to it. But it's called Tor. 
it, Tor is the network. Vidalia is an implementation of it that works on a lot of systems. Um, but to your point, Dave, I mean, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw two things out there. Actually. Number, number one go. is uh, tinfoil hat. Yeah, a little bit, but, but not so much. <laughs> actually, I'll be, I'll be relatively sane with this stuff. First of all, your IP address is anonymized except to <laughs> the person or persons running this Tor server that, that you happen to connect to. So, you know, be aware that you're anonymizing by the good graces of others and they could track you if, and, they, if they wanted to. And I have heard of and actually bring up a great point. I've heard of cases. Where, yes, you could certainly get somebody setting up a Tor server that is evil. Yeah, in which in case, fact, so, so that's uh, the think traffic, about, that's the traffic you want to sniff. It's like, Hey, why do people want to uh, hide their, hide themselves? Who are these people? Let me right. look that right. Cause that's the same argument that some people use to say, well, why do you want to use PGP or why do you want to use encryption in general? Right. If you're using that, you have something to hide. So we're going to watch you. That's right. Closely. That's an excellent point. Thank okay. You. Number two is I know my bank, uh, if they start seeing credit card requests that are supposed to be from my one computer coming from various different IPs all over the place, that may raise a red flag on their end. So yes. by using one of these anonymizers, you may actually cause yourself not a not a security problem, but but, you you know, they may lock your account before until they can get in touch with you and find out, hey, What's going on here? Why, you know, why are suddenly people all over the world, you know, if your behavior changes, which is from their standpoint, it would, uh, that may be enough to, to put a, a red flag mm -hmm. in place. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not sure the magic answer here because I don't know this, this person in the specific situation, but I don't, I don't quite get why you'd want to anonymize in this situation. It may simply be that a lack of understanding of, of, you know, he, he clearly was told people can get my address and, and perhaps it wasn't explained in enough detail to give him the information to make his, his decision. So hopefully we've, we've helped with, uh, with that. Right. And, uh, and no, I'm with you. You have to weigh when you want privacy, you have to weigh, you know, is somebody going to notice that? No, as you said, Dave, I mean, sometimes I'll get a call every now and then. Though I have a little dispute with Discover right now, but I'll get a call every now and then from my credit card company saying, oh, we noticed something that looks kind of weird. Right. Did you buy this here and this here and this here? And I'm like, yes, I did. They're like, okay, thank you very much. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, right. Well, no, I'm going to shake my fist right now. I'm having a problem with Discover because they're, they're being quite lax in a, a recent fraud event I had. That's not good. Not good. No, somebody charged $5,000 to my card, and they're in a totally different part of the country, and I had to call them to find out why my account got deactivated. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. So I'm sorry, Discover. I'm shaking my fist, and the thing is I haven't yet got a replacement card. They seem to be really... That's frustrating. You should do it overnight. <laughs> um, yeah, well, when I called on Monday, they promised that. Now, I don't know if they think I'm the evil guy trying oh, to uh because uh, basically know, somebody that you are yeah well <laughs> in some context basically um i don't know if their security people think i'm the evil guy trying to impersonate myself right or what because uh, i i gotta say the the job of those people is incredibly difficult oh yeah yeah it's custom, you know? customer service at the same time is limiting people's access to the customer well you and i talked about this yeah customer service is meant to give you a pleasant experience correct uh, security is meant to prevent customer service from being... <laughs> right. Well, the problem is, which group do you go to? That's right. So anyways, uh, you know what? I've been, I've been seeing more and more tweets from a lot of our uh, Mac colleagues with, with weird credit card things. And yeah, it, it just makes me nervous. <clears throat> you can email us. I know you all know this because you're here as premium subscribers. And actually, I'd like to thank you. Uh, John and I very much appreciate you supporting what we do here. Uh, you can email us to premium at macgeekgab.com or you can Dave, call us. I'm, Dave, I want to ask you, did you say premium? You know I said premium at macgeekgab.com. I just want to make sure. I meant it. 206-666-GEEK is the number to call, and that is 433 three, three. 
five. That's right. You can Skype us to Matt right. Geek Gab, and of course, you can post iTunes comments and all of that good stuff. John and I will, uh, assuming we can get flights that actually work. John and I will be at Blog World Expo, Ooh. and I believe I'm going to be speaking there, but it hasn't been entirely confirmed. But I'm pretty sure I am. Uh, really? And that's October fifteenth through fourteenth uh, through sixteenth is an uh, out in Las Vegas. And you can sign up anytime uh, before September 15th and you can get 20% off by using our special code oh. ObserverVIP O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R-V-I-P because you are VIPs. Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast converts this to AAC and Cashfly provides all the bandwidth. I think that's it, John. We're out of here, right? We'll see you Monday for uh, and Pete will be here. Sweet. So, Dave, you're on the train for a really long time. Oh, that's too bad. But they, uh, it was it was uh, 45 minutes delayed leaving the station, and then we lost another hour and a half in the process because some power outage happened early yesterday morning. So that means.